Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Matthew chapter 25, if you have a red letter Bible, will basically be all red, right? And uh, so that's how you know these are the words of Christ. But if you look back just a little bit and you look at Matthew chapter number 24, you see that it is likewise basically all red. Uh, this uh, this uh, passage that we looked at is actually in the middle of this long discourse that Jesus is giving, and he's teaching many things, and he's uh, giving many parables. But it all starts actually in Matthew chapter 24, in verse number 1. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3 says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So this is the initial question that the disciples are asking Jesus. The initial question is, Jesus, when is the end of the world? How are we going to know that this is going to come? What's the sign of thy coming? And Jesus gives a number of parables and stories. He, he, uh, he gives the story of Noah, and he says, you know about the story of Noah, and they were, you know, eating, and they were drinking, and they were getting married, and they were given in marriage. And just like in that time, they didn't suspect that a flood would be coming, that's the way that Jesus, that he is going to come again. And he gives another parable about a, a lord and a servant who has delegated some things uh, to the servant. And uh, he goes away, and a good servant will say, you know what? I don't know when the master's going to come. I'm just going to continue to be faithful. An unfaithful servant will say, you know what? It's been a little while. You know, I can just do whatever I want and start being, you know, rude and disrespectful and not faithful. And he continues to give some of these uh, different illustrations And then he gets down to this passage in Matthew chapter number 25, verse 14, that we read, where he begins to deal with money. And money can be a wonderful tool to help us to learn about eternity. Because really, that's the most important question. The most important question has to do with eternity. Because your life here on earth, it's going to be short, right? You know, if you live a long, long life, you know, here in America, the average lifespan keeps going up every single year. We're into the 80s now, where the average expectancy, the average is now getting into the 80s. I still have 50 more years, and I think, wow, that's a long, long time. Because if you think about it, 50 years ago was 19... 68. That feels like, wow, that was, a li- that was a little while ago. That was a long time ago. And I imagine 50 years from now, I'm going to think, wow, you know, that I've had a long life. But if I live to be 80, that's nothing. If I live to be 90, that's nothing. If I live to be 110, that's nothing. Because we have to remember Jesus is coming again. 
He's going to come again soon. That's what it says here in Matthew chapter 25. When you read the verses, he says, I'm going to go and I will come back. So we need to be faithful with what we have. You know, last week we, we looked at the principle that God is the owner of it all. Right? God owns the earth and all that is therein. God owns it all. God owns the land that you live on. God owns the materials of your home, the materials of the things in your home. God owns the cash in your bank account. He does. Because is it in the world? If it's in the world, God's the owner of it. God's the creator of it. And one day God will ask to return it back to him. So we need to remember that. So we need to be good stewards of the finances that we have. And so Jesus, knowing these things, comes and gives this uh, story about a master who gives some finances to his servants and tells them to be responsible, responsible for it. You know, money is a powerful tool to help us to learn about eternity because it's so tangible. It's something that everybody knows, understands, loves, wants some, uses it, has experience with it. But it's also a tool not just to learn about eternity. It's a tool that we could use to invest in eternity. So the question that I want to ask you this morning is, have you been investing in eternity? Some of you might have some investments right now. You might have some stock in a company here or there. You might be investing in some different areas. You might be investing in property. You might be investing in a home. You might be investing in mutual funds or bonds or whatever. I, I don't even know all of the ways that you can invest. You might have all of these things. Those of you that have invested, you're thinking about those right now. You're thinking about maybe some of the investments that you have and the, the progress that they've been making and, and keeping track and all of those kinds of things. But have you invested in eternity? Have you invested into the life after this life on earth? And Jesus is trying to tell us that this is the most important thing. What will happen in eternity? And I see three truths that we need to realize with respect to our finances and eternity. Number one, I see we will leave it all on earth. Every single one of us, we are all going to leave it on earth. Luke chapter 12, verse number 13 says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. There's a, obviously a man who comes to Jesus and he's distraught over this issue. And I'm sure that you could see it on his face and the disciples are like, Oh, I wonder what's bothering him. He comes up to Jesus and he says, Master, Speak to my brother. Can you talk to my brother, please, and tell him that he should divide the inheritance with me? So obviously this man's father has maybe passed away, and there's an inheritance left. And so maybe it would go to the eldest son, and the eldest son would be the, the, the one to kind of determine who would receive what and how much. And as the eldest, he would say, well, I'm the oldest. I'm the, I, I'm the one who's kind of responsible for the family now, so I should receive the most. 
and you could see that maybe this might be the younger brother, and he'd say, that's not really fair. We're both equally brothers. It's, you know, I didn't choose to be second, and you didn't choose to be first. And, and so he goes to Jesus, and he says, here's my, here's my predicament. Tell my brother that he should divide the inheritance with me, that he should give me my fair share. Verse 14, and he said unto him, Jesus saying unto this man, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed. Notice that he doesn't say, it doesn't say, and he said unto him. It says, he said unto them. You know what Jesus is doing? He's having a conversation with this individual, and then he says, hey, everybody, I want you to take notice of what's just going on right here. I want you to listen in on what I'm about to say because this applies to all of you. He says unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Notice what he says at the end. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know, here in the L.A. area, there's a lot of you know, different uh, parts of the city and parts of this uh, area and this county. And, and uh, you could drive around to some of these wealthy parts, right? You know, you know where the wealthy parts are. And, and uh, you know, there might be some celebrities living up there, some wealthy businessmen. And, and you know, the, a lot of people have earned a lot of money. And you might drive through that area or you might kind of even be in the vicinity. And then you could kind of feel it, right? You could feel that, wow, I'm kind of getting close to this area. And you could see that... You know, the landscaping is different, the houses are different, the cars are different, the stores are different. You can kind of feel it, right? You know what I'm saying. You get into that area, you can feel it a little bit, and you might go up, and you might see even some of the houses on the hillside. And you might see how big they are, and you can see the kind of cars that they drive, and, and maybe as you're driving along, you, you look over and you see like a Ferrari or something, you know? You ever seen one of those? Some of you, you might have driven around and seen one of these cars, and and uh, you ever look in there and try to see who it is that's inside? You're driving up, and, and uh, you're parked there, and then you, you, know, you hear this rumble, this roar, and it kind of pulls up next to you. I'm always curious to see who's in there. I can never see them, though. They're, like, they're super low, and you like, can't see into the window. But you know, sometimes it, it's a temptation to think, wow, I wonder what he does for a living. Wow, I wonder what he did in his life that he was so successful that he was able to buy this car. He was able to buy that house. That he was able to get these things. I, want, I mean, wow, look at this successful guy and this, or successful woman and see what they were able to do. I wonder what it is that they did. But Jesus is saying success is not determined in dollars. And we need to remember that. Sometimes we get so caught up in how much money can I make and how much I can invest into more and get this property and earn more and buy more and have more and enjoy more. Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. You know what Jesus is saying to us? You know what Jesus is saying to you? He's saying, what does it matter if you gain some business success? 
you start your own company, you become the top, and you become, you know, you have your public offering, and then, you know, you make it big, and you have a lot of money, and you have a big mansion, and you have nice cars, and you get to travel, and you get to enjoy the pleasures of the world. If you lose your own soul, what does it matter? If you die, and you went to hell. But what does it matter for a Christian if you, let's say you are saved. You're 100% sure that you're saved. You know that you're going to heaven. You might say, I already know I'm going to heaven. Can't I just do what I want in this world? Can't I just aim for some financial success and, and uh, gain what I can and get what I can? Jesus has a word for you. He says it in verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in glory. Jesus is coming again. And he says of his father with the angels, then shall he reward every man according to his works. You need to remember everything that you own on earth is not owned. It is merely borrowed. You don't own anything. God owns it all. You know how we know that? When you die, you take none of it with you. When you pass from this earth, you take none of it with you. And so what Jesus is telling us is you're going to leave it behind, so don't determine your success on earth based on the money that you make. You're going to leave it behind. Luke chapter six, uh, 12, verse 16 says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Here's a businessman. He's successful. He's earning a lot of money. He's working hard. His people are working hard. He's doing well. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my, uh, uh, where to bestow my fruits. He says, I've been so successful, I don't even have places to put all of my profits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my goods, uh, all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He says, I've done so well, I can retire early. And not only can I just retire early and just kind of squeak out a living, I could just be frivolous and just enjoy and not even really pay attention to how much money I'm using or spending. I could take it easy. I could have fun. I could enjoy myself in this early retirement. Just to be honest, if we saw this guy on the street, if this guy were in our church, a lot of us would be jealous of him, wouldn't we? We would all feel like, you know, I wish I could retire early. I wish I could be retired right now. I wish I didn't have to work anymore. A lot of us, I think, a part of us would feel a little bit of jealousy. I wish I could be that person. Verse 20, though, here is God's perspective. But God said unto him, thou Just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're wise. There's a lot of foolish rich people in the world. Just because they're rich doesn't mean that you should always follow in their footsteps. Yes, you may be able to follow financially in their footsteps, 
But just because they're wealthy doesn't mean that you should follow in their footsteps. Be careful of who you get your advice from. God says, don't follow the advice of this man. Don't do what he did. He's a fool. You know why? Because God knew something that he did not. He said, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He said, you got these great plans about what you're going to do with your life and where you're going to go, but you don't even know when you're going to die. And God says, you don't know, but I know. And you're going to die tonight. What a waste. But then he continues. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? God says, you're leaving it all you die a billionaire, you leave it behind. You die with 10 cents in your pocket, you leave those 10 cents behind. You have some great properties, you have some great wealth, you have some great possessions, you leave it all behind. And then Jesus says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich it is certain that we will leave it all behind. Your money, your possessions, your goods, everything. So don't get too attached to it. Don't fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with your money. You're going to leave it behind. That's guaranteed, right? Don't fall in love with your possessions. You're going to leave it behind. Don't fall in love with the material goods that you have. You're going to leave it behind. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, don't fall in love with these things because you're going to leave it all behind. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 13, there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. You know what Solomon is saying? You know Solomon, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. You know what he's saying? He's saying, here are some people who are rich, and the riches were their ruin. He said, if they weren't so rich, they wouldn't have put so much trust in them. If they weren't so rich, they wouldn't have fallen in love with them. If they weren't so rich, they wouldn't have done all that they can to just hold on to their wealth. He says they were rich, but it was to their heart. But those riches perished by evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? You know what Solomon is saying? He's saying, when I was born, I had nothing. When I die, I will die with nothing. Because when you go to heaven, you go with nothing from this earth. Job says the same thing in verse number 21. In verse number 3, there's a big list of a lot of things that he has. Sheep and camels, thousands of animals that he has, great wealth. But in verse 21 it says, and said, 
compares Job after all of the events. I, I won't go through the story, but he has all of these things happen, and he loses it all. And he says, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, when I was born, I was born with nothing. When Jeremiah was born, you know how much he owns? Nothing. He owns nothing. And when he lives on this earth, he may become very wealthy. I have no idea. If he does become wealthy, I hope he ties and he goes to this church and continues to give. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. But you know, when he dies, he's not giving 10%. He gives 100% back to the earth. And he leaves it all behind. And Job knew that. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord had taken away. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. You remember what we talked about last week. God is the owner of all of our finances. And because he is the owner of it, he determines its objective, its purpose. The purpose is to glorify the Lord. And so Job, when he was wealthy, he glorified the Lord, right? You know the story? Satan went before him and he said, went before God and he says, hey, you know, I'm just going back and forth looking for different things. And, and God says, hey, will you look at my servant Job? He's doing really well. He's very righteous. He's doing what is right. And Satan says, yeah, but you've protected him. That's why he's wealthy. You know, Job's testimony was, because I am right, God has been protecting me. God has been blessing me. And his wealth was a testimony. But when he lost it all, you know what he also said? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, in wealth, I will glorify the Lord. In poverty, I will also glorify the Lord. The first thing that we need to know is that it is guaranteed, 100% sure, you will leave it all on the earth when you die. That's guaranteed. But secondly, we can lay up for eternity. You will leave it all behind on earth, but you can exchange it for something that will be in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19 says, Lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Did I read that right? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Here's the interesting thing, that when you talk about Christianity, you talk about church, one of the words that, it doesn't take very long for this word to come up, but the word sacrifice comes up fairly quickly, Right? When we talk about church and Christian living, we talk about sacrifice. Oh, you're supposed to sacrifice. Sacrifice for the Lord. You're supposed to sacrifice your Sunday mornings to be here in church. You're supposed to sacrifice your tithe. You're supposed to sacrifice your time to serve. You're supposed to sacrifice uh, maybe this or that for the Lord. And there's a measure of truth to that. There's a measure of truth where sacrifice is important. But this is Jesus talking here in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says to you, and he says it to me, in verse number 20, uh, 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And in verse number 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in, in, in heaven. You know what Jesus is not saying? 
What Jesus is not saying is that he's not saying you should not. He's, he, he didn't say don't lay up for yourselves treasure. He didn't say that. He didn't say stop saving and investing. That's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said right here? He said, stop investing in the wrong place. What Jesus is saying is not stop investing your money and just throw it away and give it away. He says, invest your money in the right place. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He's giving us financial advice. He's giving us some investment advice. You want an investment advisor? Jesus is giving you some. He's giving you some good advice. He says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Of course, we know that God's word is about right and wrong. We know about sin. We know about doing what God says is in obedience, is righteousness. We know about these things, right? Right? We know these things. Amen? Come on. I need to, right? Amen? We know these? Okay? Otherwise, I got I to gotta preach this, okay? All right? If we don't know about sin and obedience, all right? You know about sin and obedience, right? Okay. All right. Okay. Good. All right. So if we know that, then we know that the, what the Bible says, if we do it, that's right. If we don't do it, it's not right. It's sin, right? Right? Okay. I need to know that you're with me on this because this is important, all right? So, we understand this, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, when he gives us verse 19 and 20, he's giving us the advice, not one of, here is the line, don't cross the line. What he's saying is, I'm trying to help you out here. I'm trying to give you some good advice here. You could invest in the wrong place if you wanted to, but don't do it. You could invest in this earth if you wanted to, but why? He's saying there's a heaven that's coming. Invest in heaven. This earth is going to disappear. Your life will end. Your possessions will get left behind. Your money will get left behind. Invest in a place where you will never die. Invest in a place where you will never leave. Invest in a place where you will never lose. God is trying to help you out. He's trying to do you a favor, really. Really, God, sometimes we feel like we're at odds with God. You ever been there? I know that this is what God is saying, but I, you know, I just think this and I feel this. and Sometimes it can feel that way. But you know it was God who died on the cross for you, right? Right? What kind of a selfish God would die on the cross for the people he's trying to help? No, God loves you. And God wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. It's not about, well, I'm going to take from my people so that I as God could be better and more magnified. He wants the best for you. So he gave you salvation on the cross. He gave you his word. We have the Bible. You know why God gave us the Bible? 
It's because he didn't have, he was just, you know, had a lot of spare time. He's like, I may as well just write something and give it to these people. No, he's like, these people need something. I want to help them. They need my word. So I'm going to write it down. I'm going to inspire it. I'm going to move through these men, through the Holy Spirit, to put it down on paper. And then other men will translate it into a language that we understand so we can have the word. And now we have, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Amen. So you have, a, you have all of these things. You have salvation. You have the scriptures. You have the spirit. You have the church. You have all of these things. Really, God wants what's best for you. There's a missionary uh, back in, I think it was in the 1950s. He was a missionary to uh, South America. And uh, his, uh, his name was Jim Elliott. He had four friends of his that they were missionaries together. And uh, he went to school here in the States. And, uh, and then he went to become a missionary. So he went over there, and uh, one of them was uh, a pilot and a mechanic, and so they would fly over, and they tried to do all of these things and tried to reach this unreached tribe. He, he died as a fairly young man. He died fairly young. He and his four missionary friends, they all died together. And as a young man, it's a temptation when you look at somebody like that to think, wow, what a waste, right? It's a temptation to think that. Oh, he could have he had a long life ahead of him. He could have lived 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. Could have done a lot of good. By all accounts, he was a, he was a very uh, a great guy, a lot of character. Could have accomplished much, been very successful in a lot of areas. It's a temptation to think, what a waste. But he said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Here's the thing about the wealth that you have. We're worried about losing it, right? Right? You have an investment. You worry about losing your investment, right? You, that's why you keep track of the market, you keep track of the trends, you keep track of what's going on, you keep track of all of these things. Why? Because you're worried about losing it, right? And that's why we have all of these devices that keep us from losing our things. You ever lose a wallet? You ever lose a cell phone? Right? These are important things that we try not to lose. And it's important for us to be wise and, and have all of these things, but we need to understand that it's not just a probably, it is a guarantee that we will lose it all one day. And Jim Elliott understood that. He said, I'm going to lose my life anyway. I'm going to lose all of these opportunities anyway, so I may as well invest them in the place where I will never lose it. Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Here is what we call the rich young ruler. Some people call him the sad rich young ruler. Verse number 19 says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth. 
Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. I don't have time to get into this, but Jesus is not saying that you need to give up all of your wealth in order to get to heaven. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. But notice what Jesus says. He says, yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and come and follow me. Is that what he said? There's a phrase in the middle there that I think gets lost. He says, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. You know what Jesus is telling the rich young ruler here? First of all, he's telling him, you have a God of wealth, of riches. That's really your God. But I think also what he's trying to tell some people is, when you give it up for the Lord, you're not giving up anything. You're simply exchanging it. That's the key principle. When you serve the Lord with your time, people feel like, oh, I'm sacrificing my time. You're not sacrificing anything. You're exchanging it for treasures in heaven. You say, oh, I'm giving up my tithe to God through the church. Oh, I'm giving up my tithe. You're not giving up anything. You're exchanging it for treasures in heaven. You say, oh, I'm giving up my weekend to serve my church in order to meet with a brother or sister to try to help them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up. You're not giving up anything. It's one of the biggest tools that Satan will use. Oh, if you go to church, then you'll have to give up so much. What a lie. You're not giving up anything. You need to understand that. That's why Satan will use all everything that he can to get people away from serving God. Oh, you know what? It's okay if you just if you just skip church because you know you're pretty busy. You know you're a high school student. You got to get into college. You know, and if you don't get into a good college, you're not going to get a good job. If you don't get a good job, then you're not going to make a lot of money. If you don't make a lot of money, then you'll be really sad and you will be you know whatever. That's what Satan will tell you. And what God is trying to say is, no matter how much money you make uh, make in your life, you give it all up anyway. So exchange what you have for treasures in heaven. One author put it this way. The man who lives for this world is getting farther and farther from his money. But the man who lives for the next world is getting closer and closer to his money. You know, if you live for this world, the longer you live, the less time you have with it, the less you can enjoy it, the less you can do something with it. But you know, if you've been investing in heaven, you're just getting one day closer to getting to enjoy all of your investments. You're just another year closer to enjoying all of your investments. You know, when I was younger, to be honest, I thought that Christians who always thought about heaven were a little bit strange. 
I was like, can't you see what's going on in this world? This is a great world. There's a lot of things that you could do and enjoy and have and live for. But you know, Christians who've been investing in heaven, they can't stop thinking about heaven. You know why? Because that's where their treasures are. They can't stop thinking about it. You know, those of you that have investments into some companies, just be honest, right? How often do you check? Let's say you've invested into Amazon. You're like, oh, Amazon's doing really great. How often do you check it? Every month? Every week? Every day? Several times a day? Right? Just be honest. How often do you think about it? How often do you check your investments? Probably fairly frequently. It's the same reason why Christians think about heaven all the time. Because they got some investments there. So they're thinking about their investments. They're thinking about where it is. And they're thinking about when they will get there. The opposite then could also, therefore, we can think about this idea. If you're not thinking about heaven very much, is it possible that you don't think about it much because you don't have anything invested there? Is it possible you don't think about heaven at all because you haven't been putting anything there? You know, uh, Facebook is, uh, as you all know, they've been going through this whole event, right? And then Mark Zuckerberg appeared before Congress, right? Some of you may have heard about this. I heard about it. And then I was reading some articles about it. And I remember one of the articles saying, whenever Mark Zuckerberg was testifying, Facebook stock was going up. I thought that was interesting because I knew nothing about Facebook stock. You know why I know nothing about Facebook stock? I don't have any. So I don't care, right? Why would I care if it goes up or if it goes down? I got none of it. So I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about Facebook stock. What does it matter to me if it goes up or if it goes down? Right? But I think that's the attitude of a lot of Christians in regard to their investments in heaven. They're not thinking about it very much. We don't have very much of it. John Wesley put it this way. I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. David Livingston, a famous missionary, went to Africa for many years. He said, I place no value on anything I possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven was their reference point. And they were compelled to live as they did not because they didn't treasure anything, not because they didn't value anything, but that they valued the right things. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus gives a story. It's a very interesting story. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when, he, when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy therefore goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. There's an interesting story that Jesus gives. He says, here's a man walking through a field. And for whatever reason, he notices something interesting on the ground, and he digs it up, and he says, wow, there's a lot of treasure here. It's obviously a very old container. It's probably been here for many years, decades even. And they've probably forgotten about it. And so he's thinking, I have to get this, pro I have to get this treasure, so I need to buy the property. So he buries it back up, 
and he rushes home, and he bursts through the door, sees his wife there, and he says, we got to sell everything we have. And the wife is like, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't have time to explain. Just get everything ready. We're going to sell it all. And so he runs inside, grabs a bunch of pieces of paper, runs outside, sticks a sign in the, in, the, in the yard for sale. And then he runs inside, starts packing up everything. And his wife's like, what are you doing? What is going on? And uh, he's like, I don't have time to explain. And runs around. And then eventually the wife gets it and grabs him and says, you don't do anything more until you explain what's going on. He says, okay. He looks around. He says, here, come here. Let's, let's go into a room. So he goes into the innermost part of his house, and, and uh, he's there, and he starts, he says, all right, I was going over by that property over there. He says, I found something. I found this treasure. And I don't think anybody knows about it. We have to buy the property to get the treasure. She says, how much is there? He says, you wouldn't believe it. She goes, Really? Yeah. I mean, I could show you if you want, but what if somebody finds it? What if somebody saw me? What if somebody else gets curious? We got, we got to get that property. She's like a little reluctant, but he's like, we got to do it. She's like, okay. And so they get everything, and he starts selling everything in order to get the price. So he starts selling everything. He says, you keep selling everything. I'm going to run over there and ask him, how much do you want for the property? Runs over there, gets the dollar amount, comes back, and he says, we got to get this much. So they start selling everything. The wife is looking at all of her possessions and thinking, oh, this is my favorite this, and oh, I don't want to lose this, and all. And the husband is thinking, but we could replace all of that with something so much better. So she's like, oh, I don't know, this is my best. And then she eventually comes around to the idea of, you know what, I could have way better things than and he's thinking, oh, I could have a huge, better property and a better home and a better life and all of these things. What's interesting is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, here Jesus is giving the story. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in a field, that which a man hath found, he hideth and for joy. Thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath notice the attitude of the man selling all of his goods he was the happiest man alive he was so joyful can you imagine his friends like what are you selling i can't tell you but you know this is just the right thing for us to do man we're, we're so excited about being able to sell all of these things hey you want hey how much do you want you know sell this and buy this it'll be good for you and finally gets it all he's so happy why there's a better treasure that he's aiming for was happy. That's why, Christian, you ought to be happy in your service for the Lord. Happy in your giving. You know why? You know, Satan will try to trick you. Oh, you're sacrificing for your church. No, you're laying up better treasures in heaven for you. You're getting better things for yourself. Oh, he was so happy. He was so joyful. The moment that you die, you leave it all behind. So invest into heaven while you can. I know that we haven't really talked about too many 
nitty-gritty details of handling your finances, and we'll get into that in just a moment. In not just a moment, but next week and in the in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some practical things about uh, what the Bible might say about you know handling your finances, maybe budgeting, debt, saving, investing, earning, all of these things. But we haven't covered them yet. You know why? We haven't covered them yet because if we get all of the tools on how to work hard, earn money, save money, invest in money, and then that's it, we've accomplished nothing for eternity. And that's the most important thing. You know, handling our finances wisely is not just about accumulating wealth for this earth. It's about being able to invest more in heaven. Did you get that? Did you get that? It, building wealth is not just about accumulating wealth on earth. It's about investing more in heaven. Just because you lose it here on earth, of course, doesn't mean that it ends up in heaven, right? You gamble all your money away, right? Does that end up as treasure in heaven? No. It does not. You lose your money because you weren't careful with it, you were unwise with it, you lost your money because you just, you know, weren't wise in how you handled it. Does that end up in heaven? No, it doesn't. You lose your money because you fell into a tremendous amount of debt, and instead of using that money to invest into the things of God, instead it's going to the pockets of the VPs at Citibank and Chase Bank and Bank of America and Amer American Express. Is that really going towards the kingdom of heaven? I, I don't think so. You see what I'm saying? Right? Being wise in our financial investment is not just about us having and investing uh, things uh, or, or, or being able to have things on earth, but so that we can invest into the things of heaven. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to an In N Out and eating a good old In N Out double double, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Just going in there, ordering a burger, getting some fries, just eating it down. Boy, those are delicious, aren't they? We, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You come to California and you go to these in and outs there's always a line. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There's a big, long line. Why is there a long line at 3 in the afternoon? People can't get enough of this in and out Is it wrong to have an in and out Of course not. But what if you ate in and out every day for lunch and dinner and even breakfast? disgusting, right? But let's say you did it, and you just ate it, double-double, put everything on there, and you just kept going and going and going, and then you have a heart attack at 45, right? We wouldn't be surprised, right? But wouldn't you say that's kind of a waste? A waste of potential? A waste of time, a waste of relationship. You see what I'm saying? Is it wrong to eat an In-N-Out burger? But if it kills you at 45, don't you think you should stop? You know, we're not talking about 
everybody, you know, you need to take all of your checkbooks and, you know, zero out your bank account and give it all away and all of it. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is we want to give some smart, uh, you know, advice from the Bible about money, how to handle money, how to maybe save better, maybe to invest a little bit, to have a little more, but not just so that you could have more on earth, but so that you could have more in heaven. Because you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So we, can, we will leave it all on earth. We can lay it up for eternity. And thirdly, we can lead our expectations. So I know that sometimes the question is, I know what you've told me, and it makes sense in my head that that's what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't feel like doing it. Just to be honest, I think every Christian has times fairly regularly where they just don't feel like doing it, right? There are times when you just don't feel like reading your Bible, right? You ever been there? You know you're supposed to read your Bible, right? Every one of us, we know we're supposed to read our Bible. But there are times when we don't feel like, I just don't want to read my Bible. We know we're supposed to pray, but there are times when we feel like, I just don't feel like praying right now. You ever been there? Okay, I can't be the only one. Some of you are like, no, I just, I'm always filled with joy and reading my Bible and praying and, and doing exactly what the Bible says. I'm just so happy all the time, right? Okay. All right, great. You come, in, you come to me and give me your secrets. But for the rest of us, right, there are times when you just don't feel like doing it, right? And so for those of us who feel that way, we feel like, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't feel like doing it. When it comes to finances, I think that we could see that the Bible is pretty clear about our approach to finances. We should be wise in our finances. We'll get to some of those things. We should be smart with our finances, with what we have, with what we get, with how we use it, how we don't use it maybe. I think there are all of these things. I know what the Bible says, but I, I just don't feel like it. If I felt like doing it, then I'd probably do it a little bit more. Right? It's a chicken and egg problem right? If I felt like doing it, then I would do it. And if I did it, then I know that I would feel like doing it, but I don't feel like doing it, so I don't want to do it. And because I don't do it, I don't feel like doing it. You see what I'm saying? You get into this cycle, and then you can't break out of the cycle. You say, well, what do I do then? Jesus has some advice for you. Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20 talks about lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Verse 21 is for the man who says, I know that's what it says, but I just don't feel like doing it. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You might say, all right, if A leads to B and B leads to A, where do I start? Because I don't want to do A and I don't want to do B. All right, I don't feel like doing it, so I don't do it. And because I don't do it, I don't feel like doing it. Where do I start? Jesus says, all right. If you don't feel like doing it, you'll do it anyway. That's where it starts. You don't wait until you feel like doing it. You don't start when you feel like, oh, I feel like I'm pretty spiritual right now. Now I'm going to start doing it. Now I'm starting to get a little bit excited. What God says is, regardless of whether or not you feel like doing it, if you do it, then God's promises will still hold true. 
So just do it. Just start doing it. You say, I don't really understand how it works. Just trust God. It'll work. He guarantees it'll work. You say, I'm just not really sure. Just do it. You say, I don't really feel like, you know, doing what God says in regards to my finances. And we can take this to every area of life of serving and loving and forgiving. God says, you do it first, then your heart will follow afterwards. The more you invest in a place, the more you will be interested in that place. Those of you that have investments. Let's say you invested in Facebook, right? Because you've invested in Facebook, you keep track of it, right? Now, it could be the other way around too, right? Because you were interested and you noticed some things, then you invested in it, right? That's possible too, right? But for many people, what happens is the moment you invest, what happens? You get very interested in where your money is. Has it gone up? down? Hey, what's going on in the news? Is there anything negative happened about this company? Anything positive? Any great, you know, government regulations that are changed? You know, you keep track of these things. Why? Because you've got money invested there. Because you've got money invested there, now your heart's in it. Now you're interested in it. And so you know what the Bible says is, all right, where should your heart be? Where do you think your heart should be? I think you all know the answer to that. It should be in the things of God, the kingdom of God, heaven. That's where our heart should be. You say, I'm just not really interested in thinking about those things much. How do I get to that point? What God says is, put your treasure there. Put your treasure in the things of God, and you will have your heart now in the things of God. That's why I think it's important for us as believers with our finances, at least put a little bit, something into missions. All right, we have the principle of the tithe. Give something to missions. You know why? When you put your treasure there, your heart go, goes there too. You're going to be thinking about missions. On Wednesday night when we read the letters, you're going to think, hey, I put money into missions. Hey, that's what my money's doing. Hey, that's where it's going. Hey, look at what's going on over there. Hey, look at somebody who got saved. Hey, look at some great work. Hey, some believers are growing. Hey, they're leading some other people to the Lord. Hey, they're being discipled. Hey, they're being baptized and added to the church. That's great. That's wonderful. What God says is, if you just don't feel like doing it, just do it anyway. And then you'll feel like doing it. So today we saw from God's word, you're going to leave it all behind. You're going to leave it all behind. So take what you can and invest it into things of heaven. No matter what you do with your finances, use it to honor the Lord. Don't just use it on yourself. Use it to honor the Lord. So, you know, I want to, I want to be able to increase, you know, in, in, uh, in earnings so that I could give more to the Lord. Hey, well, I, want to, I want to be wise with my investments and, and show, that, show people, you know, if we follow God's word, then, you know, God blesses and God's promises hold true and his word is true and, and all of these sorts of things. We could get into some more details later, but we will leave it all on earth, but you can lay it up for yourself in heaven. And thirdly, we can lead our expectations. If you just don't feel like doing it, let me encourage you, just do it anyway. We're going to have an offering in just a moment. 
might be having a little bit of a struggle there. Should I give to the church? Should I give to God? Should I give my tithe? Just do it. You begin doing it, and you'll have your heart more and more invested in the right things and in the right place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day.